Well, welcome back to the Know Your Numbers podcast. This is your host, Chris McCormack, and today's guest is Mr. Ted Benna. For those of you that don't know, Ted is commonly referred to as the father of the 401k, and I'm excited that he is so generous with his time and uh, excited to jump into this. Ted, welcome to the show. If you don't mind, just giving the listeners a, a brief introduction and, and we'll let the conversation flow. Hey, Chris. Well, uh, certainly glad to be with you today. And uh, yeah, appreciate the opportunity. I'm you know, sure you'll probe and dig deep and <laughs> get into a lot more detail than I'm going to do in the uh, you know, in the opening. But uh, anyhow, I you know, became identified as the father of 401k because I actually designed and then put into place and got IRS approval of the first 401k savings plan. Mm-hmm. You know, that had a uh, matching employer contribution and pre-tax employee contributions. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great place to start because there is a lot of talk about the 401k these days in the financial industry, in the accounting world, in the, the employment world. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what drove you to start it up. I've also known you to... Um, say certain things about it now and how it might not be used the way that you once thought of it. So what was the in- initial intent behind it and and how is it being used now? And is it the best thing for um, employees? Well, Chris, the uh, start of it is, is absolutely amazing because it's a political fluke. Mm. You know, it was never intended to be what it is. And, uh. you know, it takes a fair amount of detail, you know, to, go through all of that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, the actual legislation that that enabled it was passed in 1978, Mm -hmm. you know, in the fall of 1978, and what it did was add a paragraph that was only a page and a half long, that's all longer legislation was, to section 401 of the IRS code, Mm -hmm. so the name came from IRS section 401 and paragraph K, which was a page and a half long. And, uh, you know, it's a political fluke. Mm. Uh, what I did was I found a way to use it very differently than what was intended when it was passed into legislation. Uh. And, you know, it's become something that for most people now has become the primary way mm-hmm. for them to save for retirement. And over the years, it's been existence has generated probably somewhere around $15 trillion of retirement savings. But that number is shrinking these days. Mm. (laughs) Right. So why is it shrinking? What's the... Well, with the market. Yeah, right. (laughs) Crappy uh, period the market's in and not look like it's going to be getting better either. Right. Yeah. And you write a lot about that in in your book is is the need for a stable economy and how um, our current situation isn't leading towards a a stable economy. What is the main driver behind that? And and is there anything that uh, small businesses, small employees can do to set themselves up for uh, somewhat of a security? (laughs) Well, I, I sent you one of the uh, last two books I wrote, which was mm-hmm. titled 401k 40 years later. Right. Christmas, and when I originally drafted that book, I intended it to be an update 
mm-hmm. of escaping the retirement cri- coming retirement crisis, which I wrote back in 1997. And so the original version, I was, you know, intending that uh, that's what it would do. Mm-hmm. But as I was working through it, I came to the realization that people, if they bought it with that title, might think that I had an answer. <laughs> I'll escape the coming retirement crisis, yeah. and I don't. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that that and the fact that I realized that what we're as I was finishing up, it was uh, getting to the 40th anniversary. Is why I decided to change the title to uh, 401k 40 years later. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I have some input I can give, but uh, yeah, I don't have an answer. Right. Uh, clearly that. Uh, you know, how we're, anybody's going to avoid what uh, may be coming ahead here. Mm. I don't know if you saw yesterday, uh, Chris, but the uh, the British bank had to step in and bail out the pension system in Britain, which was crashing. Wow. Because their bonds had dropped 50% and they were getting what we would call margin calls here on them in the U.S. Mm. Because they've done what U.S. cities and governments have done here in the U.S., that's leveraging to try and shore up their pension benefits mm. by issuing bonds, you know, with taxpayers of you, as you know, right. have to repay the bonds yeah. and then investing the money they draw from those bonds into stocks, mm. <laughs> you know, to hopefully get a bigger return right. on stocks. So now when they're in that situation, which just happened, you know, in Britain where the bonds values are tanking hmm. and stock values are being hit significant. You got a gigantic problem. Yeah. <laughs> so money. And California cities, you have know, a number of them done that big time, by the way. Wow. Yeah. And other states. Yeah, I believe it. And it's um it's yeah, it's almost frightening how um fragile our economy is right now and how not even just the market, but the prices as well. Like I, I was driving home yesterday and and filling up a tank of gas and the prices when I went to go fill it up were about a dollar higher than I remember them either last week or even driving by the gas station a couple of days prior. And so I just got hit with like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> it's, uh, it's here and, and it is coming. So I'm, um, I'm sure a lot of the the listeners are feeling it too. And uh, when we talk about like putting money away and and looking to save and invest, um, but then you also look at the economy and and see it as a uh, not so safe investment right now. What has helped you over the years, and and what is something that uh, just a a risk averse or even just somebody who's looking to to yeah have some stability but can't go all the way up to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to come back and uh, hit hit that. But let me just throw yeah. something else in Please first. Do. You know, yep. pre that. And that is the fact that, Chris, I've learned over the years, the biggest benefit of 401k mm-hmm. is it helps turn spenders into savers. Right. You know, by making saving the first priority because mm-hmm. it comes off the top. Right. You know, before you get your paycheck. And I know, you know, for your younger listeners, mm-hmm man, that enabled me to save a lot of money mm-hmm. and accumulate that I, I wouldn't have done otherwise. You know, wow. we had four children, a mortgage, um, mm-hmm. you know, those obligations. If I had to wait until the end of the paycheck, it, it just wouldn't have happened. Right. 
So, you know, the first thing I would encourage, you know, if you have a 401k available, you know, just take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you only start at 1% of your pay, you know, get in the game and get started. Wow. You know, when you get pay increase, maybe bump it up another percent or so, mm-hmm. and you'll know, do that. And, you know, and if you're younger, you need to think about the fact you're talking about 20, 30, 40 years or so. Right. You know, not today. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the, you know, the stock market and the bond market may be crappy now isn't a big deal to you. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, if it goes down, it drops, and it might drop down, you know, by 40, 50 percent, you know, mm-hmm. before the end of this year's over. Wow. It's it's to your advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, back in 2008, I told younger participants, hey, dump as much money in as you can mm-hmm. because you're getting the opportunity to invest at a huge discount. Yeah. Your opportunity to get a strong return just got a lot better as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage that. You know, wow. the other thing, you know, for your small businesses, and we'll get into this, you know, more depth is, uh, you know, that they're great opportunities, you know, for them to help their themselves and then their employees save mm-hmm. for retirement. And 401k, for many of them, isn't the best alternative. Mm. Right. And why is that? 401ks are complex. Uh, you know, they can be a bit expensive to set up. Mm-hmm. You know, the compliance requirements, uh, you know, as you know, as an accountant, they're, mm. they're not easy for small mm-hmm. businesses. They're uh, very complicated. And, uh, you know, so the last four years or so, I focused on how to make the IRA-based plans more attractive for smaller employers. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris, in my book I finished last year, uh, 401k and IRAs for dummies, mm-hmm. you know, there are a couple of chapters in there for small businesses that explain the, four, the t- different types of 401ks and the different types of IRA-based plans. Mm-hmm. You know, there are three types of 401ks. There are also, you know, three types of different IRA-based plans mm-hmm. for small employers. And, you know, for business owners who are earning you know, less than $100,000 and maybe even a bit higher than that, the IRA-based options probably going to be a lot better choice for you. Mm. You know, one of them, if you want me to just kind of run through them, one, one, one you can do is a payroll deduction IRA, mm. you know, where the money just, you know, goes into individual retirement accounts. Yeah. You know, those can be set up without any cost of setting up and, and running them. Um, you have another type, which is called a simple IRA plan, which is extremely attractive for small owners. Right. You know, it avoids the cost of a 401k, mm-hmm. both set up administratively, you know, allows the business owners to put in the, you know, um, quite a bit of money pre-tax, mm-hmm. you know, and then them and their employees get a tax break. And then, you know, if there's a family business or, Solo entrepreneurs, uh, mm-hmm. definitely a SEP IRA is a very attractive alternative. And, right. you know, it can be a little complicated getting help sorting through those. And so if you look at the, you know, the dummies book, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it provides information and a service I'll provide also to help small employers is right. for one shot, $200 fee, you know, I'll, I'll help them work through wow. you know, what might be the best type of plan for them. Cause it's, you know, it's hard to get that kind of help. Yeah. 
That's great. And I think it's amazing, Ted. I, I think one of the big, best things about that is that you can get uh, just a bulk of information at uh, a low cost and you know it's it's good information because one of the problems we have today is just the vast amount of information out there and you don't know what to believe or who to believe or where to get it from. And so uh, the fact that you master in these retirement plans really helps the listeners and and your clients. Yeah, let me give you a specific example just yeah. to kind of help make your listeners realize how significant this is. Uh, at the point I was, you know, really refining these uh, IRA type plans, I got contacted by a small local business here that only had eight employees. Mm. And they had a 401k and they were, you know, weren't real happy with it and asked me to look at it. And when I looked at it, I found the employer was paying 1500 a year in fees plus wow. more when they had to do amendments and other things. Mm -hmm. Chris, participants were getting charged 2.75% uh, a year. Wow. And this plan was handled by one of the biggest or 10 largest providers. Mm -hmm. Well, they switched to one of the IRA-based plans, limit all the employer fees, cost to participants went down to 0.15%. Wow. <laughs> now, you're, you're talking huge differences in the amount the employees accumulate over, you know, 15, 20, 30-year period, you know, right. that kind of expense difference. Yep. And one, one way investors guaranteed can substantially return, you know, increase the returns is reducing the fees. Yeah. You know, paying a lot more in fees doesn't give you any better investment results. <laughs> you just are losing a lot of money unnecessarily. <laughs> that's so good. And I think that's something that uh, people have caught on, uh, caught on to, but don't know what to do about it. So the fact that there are options out there for them is uh, reassuring and hopefully encouraging that they can get the right information. Um. Now, Ted, let's uh, transition because there's something, especially in the uh, today's world, the financial world about, and forgive me if, if you don't have much on, on the topic, but there's a lot of talk about life insurance and using life insurance as a retirement plan. Are you familiar with these uh, avenues or <laughs> do you have any hey. thoughts on that? Hey, Chris, I was a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable. Okay. <laughs> My senior partner, pioneered the top of the table. He was one of the founders of top of the table. Yeah, I, you, you mentioned what I've done personally. And mm -hmm. yeah, key is I've diversified. Right. You know, certainly 401k help, but, uh, you know, I have a, a substantial amount of uh, permanent life insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, originally it was uh, when my wife and children were young and, you know, mm -hmm. to provide for them, um, you know, if necessary. And you know, it's still there as a uh, bedrock uh, foundation for my wife. And ultimately now would pass uh, on to, uh, you know, my uh, adult children who are in their 50s. So <laughs> wow. uh, that and then the other thing is real estate. Uh, okay. You know, um, I've, uh, you know, fortunately been blessed to have, uh, you know, commercial uh, you know, rental you know, real estate, um, you know, is another form of diversification and yeah, definitely doing things other than, you know, just an IRA or 401k, uh, right. 
clearly makes sense for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, back way on why I had a, uh, you know, a, an ownership interest in that business that we built from scratch, you know, and then sold in 1990. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, a big thing as well. Yeah. That's great. And that's awesome to hear. Cause yeah, it's hard when you're, like I said, there's a lot of information out there and you're not always um, sure who's giving it to you. And so to, to hear from you uh, as the father of the 401k, that, that, that diversification is still important and has helped you quite a bit is, uh, is awesome. Um, I guess on that note, uh, one thing that we don't hear when we set up these 401ks, right? So I have, there are listeners who are still in the employment section and probably have these 401ks set up through work, but that's just because that's what's fed them and, and they don't really ask many questions. I, I often like to advise or bring to their attention the impact that taxes have on, on your retirement, especially when you're using a 401k and that being obviously a tax deferred vehicle. And this kind of goes back to the state of the economy and where tax rates might be going, where, where our country is going. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the importance of diversifying for a tax perspective and, and uh, bringing taxes into the wealth equation? Well, yeah, definitely. And I may differ a bit here uh, from you, Chris, because I'm not a huge fan of the Roth, you know, after tax. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, again, I cover that in the dummies book, uh, but there are, you know, major reasons. Uh, you know, ever since Roth became available, the question that financial people ask is, do you expect tax rates to be higher or lower? Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's ever, it's been higher, of course. Yeah. Well, tax rates are lower than when Roth was introduced. Mm. And so people have played that game, haven't made out well, okay, because right. you win with the after-tax Roth only if tax rates are higher when you're pulling mm. the money out. Right. Now, the other thing is, uh, you know, there are a couple other factors. For a young person, it's important for them to grow their account as rapidly as possible. Mm. Um, and you can do that pre-tax. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get a tax help, for example, it's easier for you to put 6% of your pay in pre-tax and after tax. Right. So if you're in a plan where you get matched up to 6% of your pay, you should be doing what you can, you know, to get that threshold as early as possible. Right. You know, so you get the full match mm-hmm. and it helps you do that with the tax break. Now there are two other factors. Most average people when they retire have significantly less taxable income when they retire than when they're working. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, tax rates would have to go up a lot you know, for most people to be in a higher tax bracket when they retire. And then there's a final point, political risk. Hmm. You can't trust Congress. (laughs) Okay. The example I use is social security. Hmm. Social security benefits never used to be taxable. Now up to 85% of your social security benefits are taxable. And I very well expect at some point Congress is going to say, we gave you too big of a tax break with these Roth 
benefits. We're now going to tax half the gain that you wow. didn't pay tax on. Clearly, is you know, is a risk that you have to be concerned about. Yeah. Now, you know, for your really you know, your wealthy, higher income individuals, mm-hmm. certainly, you know, broader diversification of pre-tax and after-tax, you know, something definitely to think about, and you know, the advice you can give them. But you know, for average workers, um, you know, I strongly believe they're being misled by being encouraged too much to uh, you know, go the you know the pre-tax route. Mm. You know, and you have to take in. There's one else. You know, I forgot here. You know, the the reason to build your nest egg faster mm-hmm. is because when you get in your 50s and your 60s, there are a lot of things that can disrupt your plans. Mm. Lose your job, your divorce, death yeah. of a partner, right. maybe your own disability. You think? Yeah, you know, uh, pandemics. I mean, shoot, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, so there are reasons why when you're in that stage of life, it's a heck of a lot better to have an account that's 30, 40, 50% higher because of those uncertainties. Right. And when you're talking federal, state income and the local wage taxes, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of income to get up to maybe 30% right. your taxable rate. And, you know, Chris, when you're dealing with solo entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who have the full social security whammy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not just half, the full yeah. 15 too. Right. Well, for them to make pre-tax contributions into a plan, both in avoiding FICA, federal income, and state and local wage taxes, you're talking, you know, 40, 50% greater amount that's being put away for retirement. And then wow. if you don't structure your plan, you'll take advantage of that. And unfortunately, many, you know, many, many so low on entrepreneurs aren't getting, you know, the right advice they need. Right. You know, of how to set up, up a plan where the money goes in pre-tax and avoids the FICA tax. Hmm. If you set a plan up to avoid the FICA tax, you never have to pay that. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, when you take it out. Yeah. That's good. And so for that solo entrepreneur, just going back to our original, the SEP IRA is probably their their best bet. Well, the, definitely the SEP IRA, but the also to be structured, if you know, uh, probably as an LLC mm-hmm. rather than a sole proprietor, you have structured, you know, as a sub S. Mm-hmm. And if they're structured as sub S, then what happens is the contribution could be made as a corporate contribution rather than as an individual. Right. You know, if you're in a solo 401k, which often they're sold by investment advisors, mm. when you're funding out of your own wages, it's subject to FICA tax. Mm. When you're in a SEP IRA and you're an LLC taxed as a sub S, Mm-hmm. you can fund, do the funding up to 25% of your pay, have it be a corporate contribution, not subject to FICA wow. or federal and state and local taxes. Huge huh. difference. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and I found, unfortunately, that even often CPAs and accountants aren't aware of that. Yeah, I know. And there's talk of it in, in the, the uh, networks, but I do think 
we're all human and and I think we have a, a tendency to cling to one thing and and just sell that to everybody and and so if you're not educated and not looking into these things enough then you kind of get overlooked or or um forget about it well and the financial advisors uh Chris they're taught to sell 401k plan mm. I'll, I'll give you a solo entrepreneur story yeah please I um was put in contact with a web designer to you know maybe work on updating my web mm-hmm. and yeah i usually will do this i mean she's on her own and i thought well let me just kind of get an idea of what she's doing for her retirement and yeah. so i asked her and she's netting about sixty-five thousand a year running her own little business she's fully funding a solo k and also a roth ira and i told her I said, wow i mean Fantastic. You know, I congratulate you. Now, then I decided, well, let me peel off the layers a little bit. Well, I found out she had an LLC, but she wasn't running her income through through that for Mm. whatever reason she was doing as a proprietor. And I told her, I said, well, look, you could restructure this thing Mm -hmm. so that your income goes through the LLC and do sub S and avoid the FICA tax. Right. You know, get that benefit. Well, she went back to her financial advisor. He told her I was wacky. Oh, man. <laughs> but I was just trying to get a fee. And I'm doing this for free. Yeah, right. I told her, I said, look, you don't need to change your financial advisor. I'm, you know, I'm not going to touch investments. I don't do anything about it. So then I got her talking about her advisor and found out, yeah, it was a family friend. You know, he's getting paid 1.75%. Oh, man. <laughs> and, you, you know, and I mentioned, uh, Vanguard, and she said, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." I have another family friend that said I maybe should be looking at Vanguard. So then I said, "Look, go talk to your accountant." Mm. Well, he told her the same thing, but finally, (laughs) you know, she pushed the info I was giving her along to him, and he got on board with it. So, uh, yeah, it's just you know amazing, you know, when you see situations like that. Yeah, yeah. It's troubling, and and I think that stalls people from getting started or even taking advice to begin with, right? They get turned off, or they hear of these horror stories, and then they don't do anything for five, ten years, and and next thing you know, they they still don't have a nest egg or any account set up because somebody pointed them in the wrong direction, or they just heard the wrong story. Yeah, well, I do. I give the states credit uh, for the mandate. Mm. I mean, in my opinion, uh, and I've been supporting this for years now saying that look every employer should be required to offer you know some type of payroll deduction plan i mean i've had small businesses you know having, having a payroll deduction ira is not a big deal mm-hmm. you know set up right uh, chris you know like a firm like yours where you do payroll handling for example yep i mean it can be so simple that those contributions into those IRA accounts can be direct deposited the same way as paychecks are. Mm. Yeah. It can be done with, you know, no administrative asshole, Mm. you know, no reason for employers, you know, not to be involved in doing that. And, you know, but I do encourage employers that are in States like California and Mm -hmm. Oregon that are being mandated that, you know, they should be looking at better alternatives. Yeah. I, I went after competing with the Oregon plan Mm. Uh, Chris, because they were charging 100 basis points for a payroll deduction IRA. Wow. And, you know, I was telling Oregon employers, look, you know, you could, 
do this and it only cost your employees, uh, you know, uh, seven or eight basis points versus 100 basis points. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, save a heck of a lot. And mm. but the other thing is Oregon and California and the others you know, are doing the same thing, limiting you that it isn't an after tax Roth plan. You know, the contributions are all going in after tax. Oh, wow. Okay. And the states want to do that because they want the taxes now, right. not later. Yeah. yeah. You know, so they don't want to give employees the uh, the option one way or the other. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it can be troubling um, when you start to look into these things and and get to the the heart of the matter. Um, which I think Ted kind of brings us to a good point of of wrapping this up. Is one thing that I I love about you and admire is is your willingness to be open about your faith and and share your uh, love for God and your trust in God. And so I would just love to hear a little bit about how that's shaped your career and um, got you this far and, and the, the fruit that you've seen in, in that matter. Well, it's not just my career, it's my whole life. Right. <laughs> Without that, my marriage would have blown up, I'm sure. And mm. family would have been a mess, but we're mm. blessed uh, 62 years of marriage, wow. four children, nine grandchildren, wow. you know, they'll, you know, doing uh, well, but also if you're, you uh, see interviews I've done and you read in the books and so forth, you'll see that I didn't credit uh, 401k to uh, being smart enough to do that on my own. I, uh, you know, attribute it to uh, prayer, you know, without getting mm-hmm. to a mess into that, that uh, feel that it was uh, something was given uh, to me and uh, you know, to help average people, you know, 401k is a great plan for people making you know, 30 to 150,000 a year or so, mm. you know, the middle income. And right. uh, it's also given me an eight, uh, a great opportunity in terms of my outreach opportunities to, uh, you know, be able to share my uh, faith in a you know, very meaningful way. Right. Wow. And that's good. And for the listeners out there, he's also being pretty humble. Uh, at the start of his, his book, he, uh, asks anybody who's been personally impacted by the 401k to to donate to a, a charity that that is very near and dear to his heart uh, and has been near and dear to my heart that is compassion international so if you're listening to this if you've made it this far and uh, you do have a 401k or the 401k has benefited you then um, I think I can speak for Ted and I'd love to have him share a little bit about uh, supporting compassion international uh, in a form of appreciation for Ted's work and everything he's done to bring things to the light. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. I mean, one thing you can do is sponsor a child, hmm. you know, in a, a very needy area. It's uh, pretty expensive, you know, 35 bucks a month. Um, hmm. Compassion. Uh, you know, I know two of the board members. One of them was a former pastor of mine. Hmm. Uh, his daughter works for them and they have such a high level of integrity. When his daughter went to work for them, he had to resign from the board just so there wow. wasn't any, you know, potential conflict at yeah. all. And uh, so, you know, they have a high level of integrity. Um, you know, over 90% of what they raise, you know, goes into, you know, supporting children and then a lot of other things like clean water and, you know, helping ladies out of sex trafficking mm-hmm. and, you know, starting their own businesses, you know, with small amount of initial funding, et cetera. So uh, you definitely do a lot of good, very good things. 
That's great. And uh, any closing thoughts you might have, Ted? We do have one final question that I like to ask all the, the guests here, but uh, any way that people can reach out to you, uh, get to know you or um, anything you'd like to leave for, for our listeners? Well, I'll give my email address. It's uh, ted.benna at benna401k.com. So if you know anybody wants to reach out, why should and feel free to do so. Great. Awesome. And we will, we will link that in the show notes and Ted, it's been an absolute pleasure and quite a blessing to have you on. Um, before we let you go, the last question we ask all our, our guests here on the know your numbers podcast is Ted Benno. What is one truth about money that most people regard as myth? I, I would say expecting that it's the source of happiness mm. because it isn't. Amen. Amen. And, you know, and I've learned over the years, there are spenders and they're savers. Mm-hmm. And the spenders, the problem is they never have enough. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, when they get more, where they're going to be satisfied and achieve their goals. But the problem is that doesn't seem to ever stop. So wow. more isn't the answer. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. Well, Ted, thank you very much for your time. Uh, To the listeners, be sure to subscribe, like, and review, and go ahead and and reach out to Ted if you have any questions or reach out to us directly if you'd like to hear some more information on anything we discussed, and we'll be sure to get that to you. Uh, Ted, thank you again. It's been a a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to connecting again soon. All right, Chris. Glad to do it.